0: Welcome back to another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. If you're joining us for the first time, you might want to go back to episode one to catch up on everything terrible inside this book. The Vigilante deals with themes that aren't suitable for most listeners, or anyone, really. Violence, racism, and all-around bigotry are rampant in the book, and us three boys can use some salty language. Also, Kayvon will likely talk about poop. POOP
1: Burn it all, man. He's like, oh, I really love this coat. And I, just, I wish my wife was here because her moon blood would often come and she knew how to get rid of it.
2: Moon blood.
1: It was time to fix the second problem. He jerked off.
2: <laughs> but first he had to know how. So we went back to the books. Hi guys. Hi hello Hi Andrew McDonald Smith.
1: Hello Farron Francesco Timoteo I was I'm gonna throw this on the table. Um I'm I'm feeling very low today. Yeah. I'm I'm Ah. I'm not I think it's nice to acknowledge or healthy to acknowledge and I just wanna like pretend and it's like yeah, I'm I woke up very sad. I'm I'm feeling really low. Uh, uh, with um, in terms of energy and kind of, yeah, depressed. Yeah. Um, and I think that's obviously, there's so many factors that play into that. But I, I wondered if maybe we've never really done this. We've talked about uh, superficial elements and the root causes of like, can you cry? Mm-hmm. but uh, And this is a very vulnerable question and feel free to dive into it or not. But I wondered if maybe there's room for us to have a little conversation a- about our own mental health and mental health as men.
2: Absolutely. I think that um, especially with regards to our commitment on this podcast to to be transparent about or directly address masculine issues or men's health, I think that's a wonderful suggestion.
1: And he won't be taking you up on it. <laughs> I will show myself the door. I think it's a great suggestion and good luck. Uh,
0: I, I personally uh, recently started seeing
1: uh, a counselor. Awesome. Is this your um, first relationship with a Counselor? No, it's not.
0: Uh, I've, I've gone to over maybe three different counselors, usually impermanently. I don't, I, ha- I haven't had sort of a, a regular counselor. But when I'm in times of, uh, I could use some tools or just someone to listen to me who's not, you, you know, a, a relative or a loved one just someone who is completely unbiased and is going to tell me that I'm being unreasonable about something or I can also, if I can trust that that is going to be the case, that they're going to tell me that maybe I'm being unreasonable about something, then when they tell me I'm not being unreasonable and that's totally normal, it's quite soothing for me. You know, uh, personally, in my life, and this COVID has, I think, like for many people, has exacerbated little you know fissures in uh, romantic relationships or or friendships or i bet i bet you that
1: there's uh uh i don't know how to do this widespread trivia but i'm willing to bet I've a very commonly heard sentence in uh shared households in this last year has been uh have you always done that probably probably been a lot of like sorry I never noticed you chew that loudly every meal (laughs) have
2: you always looked like that
1: yeah Farron um if I may ask do, uh, do you or have you engaged with uh counseling before
2: uh yeah on on several occasions I consider myself an enormously anxious person um and I don't really know I've tried to figure this out over the years exactly when it began for me. I don't remember now if it was something I struggled with in my youth or in my adolescence, but I became aware of it as an adult. And I would say that it's just incrementally uh, worsened and worsened and worsened over the years. But uh, but I will, uh, to to echo your experiences, gentlemen, I will say that the pandemic has brought on quite a deep and dark depression. I, I felt it. Uh, Really draping over me over the last few months, in particular.
1: I'm a proponent of it. I'm. It's not. It's not a personal reticence, but I, I I've not had a, a, or seen a counselor or spoken to a therapist. I, I don't think it, since I was probably 19 years old, which followed my uh, father's uh, dying. I think mm-hmm. I saw a counselor maybe twice. Um, and i don't know it may be a combination of being cheap <laughs> uh but there i don't know what's uh what stood in my way you can think of it like a tune up
0: where you you don't have to go constantly cuz that is certainly where cost can become a stressful a thing there are also lots of counseling services often provided by um not for profits or or the city itself that you live in that, that have sliding scale.
2: I know for me, for a long time, I put it off. Um, I didn't start seeing a therapist until I was in my late 20s. And I'd known for some time that, uh, that I was irrationally anxious and would probably benefit from seeing a therapist. But I think something deep down inside of me thought, um, A, nobody can help me. This is too serious a problem. Nobody can, can change my thought pattern. And more than that, maybe I deserve to be worried. I should be worried. There's lots to worry about. Maybe I don't want to cure this. Maybe I should uh, keep that going. It's been working for me. And I think those were two things that kept me away from therapy and two things that looking back, I think uh, I was wrong in with my thinking.
1: What do you see yourself doing as a coping mechanism, either consciously or subconsciously? I'm a nail biter. Oh, I'm a bad nail biter. And I hate it. And it's disgusting.
0: And I don't even notice that I'm doing it. And the worst times that it happens is in moments of anxiety, not like nervous, like the the cartoon version of a nail biter who's like nervous and like, (laughs) but like in a movie that's stressful, I'll be like, my jaw is tired from fucking biting my nails during that action movie or whatever. At least you're not a toenail biter. Yeah, I like the idea that, like, I'd be nervous at a movie and just, like, taking off my socks and not even notice until I'm like, ooh, my hips are really sore. Oh, my God, my foot's in my own What am I doing? (laughs) I must be (laughs) stressed.
1: Oh, okay. Check in with yourself, Drew.
2: It was an excellent Drew impersonation, Kayvon.
1: I've been such um, a cynical piece of shit for a great deal of my life that like probably my more in my twenties, like if someone had talked about uh, affirmations or meditation or even yoga, I would have, my nose would have been through the roof, like just nose up and been like, that's fucking bullshit. Like, sure. Which is clearly like anybody who's dealing with that level of cynicism where you're not even able to have, Uh, a conversation or acknowledge somebody else's journeys works for them Um, you know you're scared of something I was obviously really worried about my own like ability to to acknowledge vulnerability or that I needed help or that I Mm -hmm. wasn't okay and I think a lot of that came out of losing my dad um, young and deciding that I was fine it was just too much to be able to face so I just had to move in the other other direction like I, I just couldn't I couldn't take on that level of um, trauma. And after my dad passed, I went back to university to try and pick up where I left off. And th- that didn't work. And it, was, it really was a bad idea. I, I moved that too quickly. Um, but my mom was living in Nova Scotia at the time. And I just remember her, and I was not doing well. But I remember her saying, you look uncomfortable in your skin. Hmm. In your own skin. Hmm. And I think I then immediately like was like, go fuck yourself. And went to a pub. Like, yeah, but she was like, you're not sitting in your own body comfortably anymore. Like, you don't know who you are.
2: Do you feel like you're in your own skin now?
1: I think I'm closer. This is an interesting thing to talk about, even in terms of uh, globally, as we talk about the pandemic, is that when you go through something traumatic or altering or painful, there's this section of time where it feels like you're going to, come back to fitting in the skin you used to live in. But the truth is that will never happen. You you've changed. The thing is is you have to f- learn about what your new skin looks like and feels like. Yeah. And fitting it into that one most comfortably. And the process of trying to jam yourself back into the way you were When you thought and when you think of yourself as like that was when I was good and healthy, or that's when I was a version that I liked, I'm gonna get back to that. That's really unhealthy, very unfair, Um, and and, yeah, it's this. It's similar to body body issues when you like I hang on to like here's a big thing. I have massive body issues. I hate my body. Farron, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, and I hang on to clothes that I'll one day wear again. Mm. I have a number of shirts, a leather coat and a pair of pants that I look at every day and I and I have this thing and I go one day I'll be that on again. And I know deep down I need to throw those clothes away. To continually look at myself in the mirror and look at that coat and go one day I'll be me again, a me that I like looking at and I'll I'll fit that coat again. You have to like who you are today. And that's really hard. Yeah.
2: Interesting question would be that if, in fact, you did implement the change that you feel like you need to implement to put those clothes back on, would you then be happy?
1: Probably not. Because the thing is that I can also – I think back and I look at photos even from three years ago, four years ago. It doesn't, I don't have to go back to 21 years old. And I look at those images and I'm now looking at them being like, wow, like so trim and like – envious of that body, but then I can jump back and I remember that I never thought I was there. Exactly. Yeah, you were looking back at your twenty year old buddy. That's right. Exactly. I've always thought I had I wasn't good looking enough or didn't have the abs or or was still too overweight or put clothes on and thought I looked frumpy. It's never been okay. I have to like it today. I have to look in the mirror and go yeah. You're good to go. And buy the clothes that fit this body and stop staring at clothes from another person.
2: I know it sounds impossible. I'm with you. I experienced this too. And I've definitely experienced that feeling. I've really clocked it over the last, I'd say five years where I'm constantly looking at old pictures and going, oh yeah, I wish I could look like that. And and I then I start to celebrate the idea like, what if I loved my body? What if I said every day, Farron, I love you. I love your body today.
1: You want me to to say that? Okay, Farron, I love your body.
2: (laughs) Kayvon, I love your body.
1: Whoa, back off, pervert.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, though, sincerely, I have to to really resist because I know it it may come off as insincere, especially as we're being open as we are, but I've never looked at you uh, and thought anything besides, you're an extremely attractive man. Drew, for whatever it's worth, I feel the same way about you.
1: It's worth nothing.
2: Okay, I retract. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, Farron. It wasn't insincere for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're a trio of hunks. That's hashtag three hunks. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> hunk, 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 hunks. Peep, peep, peep. <laughs> Vigilante hunk club? What? <laughs> Do you even hunk, bro? Oh, I <laughs> hunk. I hunk hard, bro.
2: That'd be so sad if this conversation led to the most pretentious version of ourselves, that we we started the Vigilante Hunk Club and then started, like, outcasting other people and... and yeah, we got—we like, we all got barbed wire
1: tattoos around our arms, and we were like, fuck <laughs> yeah. I'm better than everyone. Yeah, our heard. mental health game is fucking tight. Tight like these abs. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There is so many more vowels in that. uh, that, uh, (laughs) A liquid a. (laughs) Yabs. (laughs) (laughs) That was great talk, you guys. Love you to bits. That, That that takes a lot. Thanks for doing that.
1: Thank you both. You're welcome. Yabs. Previously on the Vigilante. Joe Madden does some house cleaning, a little grocery shopping, and then rides the trains in search of his next victim, where he finds himself on the other end of a gun. And now, Chapter 11. It was something he should have figured on, but something he hadn't. He knew that there were guns all over the city, regardless of the Sullivan Law, which, like most of the laws of society, was obeyed only by the decent people. But he figured guns to be a part of a different crime world, that of the bank robber, the liquor store hold-up man, or the mafia, not the common park or subway vulture. And he'd figured wrong. He'd committed the battlefield sin of underestimating his enemy. It was the kind of error that you didn't often get the chance to make twice. Wha? Madden screwed up his face as if he were trying to get a clear look at the thing in the black man's hand. Hurry it, man. I ain't got all night. But the voice was cool, and the gunman didn't seem at all hurried. There were no worried looks in any direction to satisfy himself that there was any possible problem on its way from another source. What a weird way to say that there was nobody around. Paid by the word. Hey, Joe, Joe, is anybody around? Hang on. No, there were no worried looks in any direction to satisfy himself that there was any possible (laughs) problem on its way from another source. Come on, buddy. The wallet w wallop Madden said. I, I like This is entirely in your
0: performance, and I really love it, that he's gone from like, what's that, mister, to like,
1: w whoo, w what are you
0: talking about?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was stalling now, a dangerous thing to do, but his mental processes were calculating the range of his possible moves. He's just really adding words where he can
2: i feel like he just took a writing workshop and he's he's trying something here
1: well what's incredible to me is that like he did have a quota of pages or words he had to match because in the early chapters, do you remember how like they became Fred, did you say early chapters i will be doing this to kill too. you today <laughs> With this shit. I'm, it's early for me, and I'm tired.
0: You're just darling. Early in the morning, you're like chappers. Let's read a new chapper.
1: Yeah, okay. Your your affirmation work for me is really wonderful today. Hey, dum dum, did you say that wrong? You fucking moron. I'm so sorry, buddy.
2: I was I really had to muscle it down. I was like, I'm pretty sure Drew's got this. I'm <laughs> just gonna sit down. Of course,
1: Drew has it. Got a fucking sniper blocked on your fucking head all day. <laughs> oh, did, I, did he had a fucking ass? Bang! <laughs>
0: it must be hard to read with a red dot on your forehead. Constantly.
2: <sighs> oh.
1: He was stalling now, a dangerous thing to do, but his mental processes were calculating the range of his possible moves. The revolver was held tightly in the other's right hand, which was extended in bent-arm fashion, about three-quarters of an arm's distance from the man's shoulder, the muzzle of the barrel a little more than three feet from Madden's face. A quick step forward and he might be able to block out the gun hand with a forearm slash, but that would have to be done with his left arm, and with that would go his own weapon. True, he'd have the element of surprise in his favor, but... Hey, can't you hear me? I said, wallet, Madden said with a thick-tongued exclamation. Don't hurt me. It's in my coat. Somewhere. (laughs) Nobody gonna get hurt, man, if you do just like I say. Now where? I don't know where. Madden's voice sounded both confused and plaintive at the same time but his half-closed eyes were watching like those of a hawk. He was fairly sure what the other man would do next, but he decided to help him make up his mind. There was a risk that he might overdo his act, but he counted it a very small risk. We're smarter than they are, he reminded himself. Help me. Help me find. Sure, man. I'll do that. I'll do anything you... Hey, man! But no sooner had the black man's right foot left the ground for the first of the steps than Madden had made his move. It began as a purposely clumsy shift to his own right, but when it ended, it was a full force lunge, his right hand full of gleaming steel. There was an instant when the scene was frozen in time, the black man's mouth open in an almost perfect oh the whites of his eyes bulging in disbelief as the victim he had selected came at him, a suddenly changed victim, one who no longer was drunk and staggering, but whose terribly scarred face shone like an unholy death which matched that glistening knife which was coming, coming... The black man's reflexes moved his chest and stomach out of the path of the knife with a split second to spare. He cried out in triumph as he swung his gun hand around toward Madden, but the cry was followed swiftly by another, and this one had no triumph in it, only pain. At one and the same instant, Madden's right knee slammed into the man's wide-open crotch, and the first half-length of his knife sliced into its revised target— into and through the wrist of the swinging gun hand.
2: Can I just take this moment to address the words wide-open crotch? Thank
1: you. <laughs> oh, thank you. You speak my language.
2: I know what he means. I know. <laughs> the mental image is that,
1: that he was crotch. in the splits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that he was trying something ninja-y and he did the splits. And that uh, uh, our Joe took uh, his opportunity there to kick him in the wide-open crotch
1: it, I know it's really gross but I, I did have a flash image of just a very wide urethra
2: Ew! <laughs>
1: sorry <laughs> so sorry but I did
2: you know I'm glad I opened the door for you to say that
0: I'm really glad that you opened the door so that he could say that which then opened the door for you to yell no like Aziz Ansari
1: <laughs> oh yeah you did actually <laughs> you really no! said like no, yeah <laughs> As the gun clattered onto the stairs, Madden whipped the knife back and took one step backward. Then he brought his left shoe tip forward and upward in a vertical arc. The black... Ugh. Man. He even removed saying a man. No! Oh, no. I apologize for this next sentence. Uh, it hurts to say. The black had been doubled over from Madden's knee and was straightening up fast. He straightened faster when the arc of Madden's shoe cracked into his chin. It was straight up, and then over onto his back with a loud and bone-shaking slap to the cement. He rolled over painfully and pushed himself up to his knees. The first thing he saw was the blood pouring from his right arm. The second thing he saw was the business end of his own pistol. Hey, hey man. No. Come on now. Please. The first shot hit him in the left shoulder, slamming him back to the cement. The echo screamed in his ears, drowning out the sound of his own screams. H- his screams drowned out his screams. Oh, the echo of the gunshot. I the understand. echo of the gun.
2: Yeah, it is a mistake though. That's
1: just bad writing.
2: If you're, especially if you're going to use the word "scream" to describe the human scream in, a, in three words, you know, or after, three words later. Edit that to make me sound smart, please.
1: done will do gotcha there friend done
2: (laughs) bang if the business end of a gun
1: is a wide open crotch
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay now it made me think of a urethra Mm, thanks girthy what's the other side of the gun if not the business end
1: uh the party party end
2: (laughs) the party end
1: like a mullet (laughs) the echo screamed in his ears drowning out the sound of his own screams he tried to crawl, but his arms wouldn't function, and he fell onto his face. All he could do now was to try and plead with the crazy white man who had his gun, but he knew that's interesting. Yeah, suddenly we're actually, for the first time ever, hearing the
0: thoughts of another... Yeah. Maybe not the first time ever, but it certainly the first time we've ever heard uh, a black person's thoughts. Uh, a question I do have is, uh, is the phrase crazy white man italicized or in quotes?
1: No. He tried to crawl, but his arms wouldn't function, and he fell onto his face. All he could do now was to try and plead with the crazy white man who had his gun, but he knew, as he looked up into the half-smiling face of that man with the long scar which seemed to be on fire, he didn't have to see the barrel of the pistol rise again to know. Yet he tried to raise his right hand to ward off The second shot entered the black man's head just to the top of the mouth. The third went dead center into the forehead. The gunshot sounded magnified a thousand times in the grayness of the underground tunnel. But the black man was past hearing sound of any kind. That is execution murder.
2: No, it's awful. It's really uncomfortable to listen to. And it's not that I have a weak stomach for violence, because I don't. It's the sense that something really awful is taking place,
0: that it's racist. You know, there's something inside of the switch of perspective that actually troubles me because it I think it even further eroticizes the vindication of killing that person. It's made it like really vengefully like intent intended to be
1: satisfying for the reader do you you know what do you know what it is i think it's i I coined it up into one sentence is um i want you to see me do this Hmm. right there's something about i want you to i want you to watch and so in order for you to watch i'm going to put you in the other pov I don't want to tell you this from my perspective i actually want you to see the the burning fire scar on my face the cruel smile i want you to look me in the eye when i do this uh, reader this
0: episode of the vigilante book club is brought to you by the food network want to brutally judge chefs while eating takeout from applebee's the food network can help and
1: existentialism but why Madden's thumb had cocked the hammer of the revolver, but he now let it come back slowly to rest. There was no need for a fourth shot. The first three had done the job adequately. His right hand was still in the extended position. He turned his wrist back and forth slowly, his eyes on the gun his fingers held. It had been a long time since he'd held a pistol of any kind, and yet the firing of this one had come so natural, as if it had been only yesterday when the army had drilled him and drilled him. Maybe it was like swimming. Once you learn, you never forget. He took one last look at the dead man sprawled out on the concrete— Then he moved to and up the stairwell. He didn't hurry. Why should he? The animals never hurried. So much more reason for the animal slayers to play it cool. The night air out in the open was refreshingly brisk. Madden walked to the nearest corner. There was a trash bin there full of old newspapers and wrappings from hot dogs and other waste of the city's earlier hours— With a handkerchief, he wiped the revolver clean, then left it under a crumpled New York post. The street seemed empty as he moved from the corner and walked north, hoping to catch a taxi. He'd reached the middle of the next block when he stopped. The gun. His first thought had been to get rid of the weapon. It was, after all, a murder weapon, and the police had ways of telling which gun fired which bullet. The markings on the slug, or something. So he'd thought it wise to get rid of the thing which might incriminate him. But now, a gun. How much more effective it was compared to the knife which was strapped to his arm. Quick and clean. Noisy, yes. But who was there to listen? To listen and be curious enough to investigate. And remember, they carried the damn things. He walked quickly now, reversing his steps. I want to imagine he's walking backwards. Yeah. Fully reversible full stuff. <laughs> he was at the trash bin, his left hand encircling the butt of the pistol when he heard the footfalls behind the him. Party end. Yeah, that's the party, <laughs> that's the party, end. party end. The, the butt. butt, the butt, yeah. Uh, his hand remained where it was, but his whole body was at the ruddy. The man who stopped some ten feet from him was black and dressed in shabby clothing. Fashion the <laughs> Do it, Drew, do it, do it. Wow, wow, (laughs) Wes. Thank you. A mouth only a third full of teeth grinned at Madden. You looking for something, white man? Madden's voice was controlled and level. That's right. How about you? The man laughed. It was a sincere, good-natured laugh of a man who meant no harm to anybody. Ho, ho, ho. It was fucking (laughs) Santa. Hell yes, white man. I'm looking all right been looking all my life, but I'll tell you something true. What's that? The man laughed again. Farron.
2: Ho, ho, ho.
1: Whatever it is I'm looking for, I ain't thinking of a no trash can. As the black man turned and walked down the street, shaking his head and laughing, Madden quickly pocketed the pistol and headed in the opposite direction. Less than a half hour later, he was back in his apartment. During the taxi ride north, he'd made up his mind as to his next moves. The first of them he accomplished as soon as he had sipped from Johnny Walker's product, poured neatly into a champagne goblet. You fucking lunatic. Champagne (laughs) goblet? He thoroughly cleaned Sarah's butcher knife and retired it back into the kitchen utensil drawer. Then he took the cardboard... You're a criminal genius, man. You took a murder weapon and just wiped it down and put it back in the drawer? (laughs) (laughs) then he took the cardboard sheath and its tape wrappings and sent it down the shaft into the incinerator room out in the hallway then back in the bedroom he sipped on the scotch as he examined his new weapon carefully it was a short barreled smith and wesson revolver which carried five bullets the weapon had been fully loaded tonight and there were two bullets left in the cylinder plus three empty shells He'd have to figure out some way of disposing of those some way other than dropping them down the incinerator that was to coin a phrase too close to home, depositing them in separate trash cans or down a sewer would probably be safe enough. He'd worry about that in the morning. He pushed the pistol under his mattress, then he began to undress bow, 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 bow. <laughs> as always Here we go, as he did, he caught sight of his reflection in the mirror. <laughs> Here oh we go. God! This guy. Both Maddens nodded to each other. The war had gotten off to a very good start.
2: Did he say to coin a phrase? Like to coin a phrase, it's too close to home. I thought the term to coin a phrase was to invent a phrase.
1: It is. That was to coin a phrase too close to home. Yeah. No, he he didn't invent that. How would you say it? Uh, a Turner of, Turner. Of, it's a Turner phrase when it's already ex- when it already exists. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's using a turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah, he's not inventing it. Although I like that idea. Oh,
1: but this man thinks he's so brilliant. He probably thinks, I just invented that. <laughs> yeah. Home sweet house, damn it. <laughs> Actually, that was a game I used to play with uh, some friends when we were on a tour, which was um, sage advice from a bad coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about people with tin roofs? Their mothers are missing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, oh. oh. Is that a thing they say? Mm Mm-hmm. Just coined it. I like that he's an old prospector, too. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) It's like I used to say, if if the floor's shiny, you're probably dead.
0: Last week, a sad piece of information was provided to you by Kayvon, our host. And all I can say in response is,
2: Fuck you. Fuck you, Kayvon. Yeah, screw you, man. Drew and Farron forever.
0: Visit SaveDrewAndFarron.com
2: Saturday,
1: 9.35. Madden's eyes clicked open and focused onto the digital clock. His left hand snaked over the top of the thing to shut off the alarm, and then it pulled back. It wasn't the alarm which was sounding. The phone was ringing. It was Old Man Chilton. Pop quiz? Who's Old Man Chilton? Does anybody remember who Chilton was? Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he's his boss. He's also the man who owns the haunted cabin. (laughs) Old Man Chilton's cabin. Old Man Chilton. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use that voice for Chilton as well. How are you feeling, Joe? (laughs) The question took Madden back. He had no idea how to answer it. Fortunately, his employer broke the silence without waiting for a response. What I meant was, are you feeling ready to get back to work? Work? (laughs) In the mines? Yeah. Ooh, there's, <laughs> there's cows down there. Careful.
0: In the mines, there's cows. <laughs> yeah. Bang, 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 bang. I was like, Come on, buddy.
1: <laughs> That's a bang, bang. Just logic, too. So grammar, logic, everything. Work. He hadn't even thought about it. He'd almost forgotten he had a job. An office. Mr. Chilton, I don't know. I mean, oh, I know what you mean, Joe. That was good, because Madden sure didn't. But as I told you when we last spoke, I think the sooner you do get back into the swing of things, the better off you'll be. Besides, things are piling up a little around the office in your absence. (laughs) It was the old man's way of telling him that he was needed. Something Madden or someone in Madden's circumstances would be expected to want to hear, and it was in fact good to hear it. Aside from his new job, his new purpose, there was a part of him which wanted to get back to the office drawing board. The war he'd just begun was a simple, elemental war. His work at Chilton and Harris was a more sophisticated war, one against inefficiency and waste one which employed more complex strategies. Uh, "'I think, Joe, that you ought to consider it. No pressure, you understand, and I mean this sincerely. Take as much time as you feel you need, but...' "'Monday,' Madden said. Oh, "'What's that, Joe?' "'I said Monday. "'If that's all right, I think I'd like to come in Monday. "'You're right.' I think I do need to get back to some kind of, he couldn't think of the word, not one which fit. Norm- normalcy. Normalcy. Uh, what? what is that word? <laughs> bang. <laughs> bang, bang. bang bang Bang, 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 bang,
2: Proctor, the the <laughs> bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang. I like that the old prospector calls <laughs> it normalcy. Sorry.
0: The what? The old what?
2: Proctor. bang, bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang.
1: Yeah, you're both in my sights now. Normalcy. Chilton completed the sentence, but that wasn't exactly right either. Things never would be normal again, not in the old sense, but Madden accepted the word. Right. Normalcy. There were a couple of more short exchanges which were intended to end the conversation gracefully, but they didn't exactly come off. Finally, though, Madden's telephone was back on the hook. He was out in the kitchen starting the coffee when the telephone rang again joe leo Delancy. how i'm fine leo fine as i can be that is you sound good joe i er tried to call you last night a pause you go out or something his mind examined the alternatives He could say he was at home and had let the phone ring because he hadn't wanted to talk to anybody. He could say that, but that conjured up a picture of a brooding, self-pitying man. And as Delancey had said, he sounded good this morning. Too good to use that story. I went out. I'd had enough of staying cooped up. I had to get out. Another pause. But sober this time, I hope. Sober as a judge. Or a cop. Joe. This time the pause was even more obvious. Delancey was after something, and Madden thought he knew what it was. He decided to let the man wait a while. Leo, how did it go? You know, with the ring and the watch? You turn up anything? Not yet, but I'm hopeful. They're not the kinds of things these people would keep. Too expensive to wear, I mean. No, they'll be trying to pass them for cash sooner or later. I'm hopeful. Then I'll be hopeful too. There was another silence. Then Delancey. Joe, I have to admit I was worried about you. You know, the other night, the way you were talking and all. There it was. The thing Delancey was after. The thing Madden had known was coming. He'd played it stupid then. He decided to play it dumb now. The way I was talking, he said. Yeah, like... Well, like you were going to do something on your own. On my own? Yeah, I'm sorry. Do we have a bad connection? (laughs) Connection? Okay,
2: I'm
1: hanging up, Jim. Up? Hanging? (laughs) You know, like like an Avenger or something. You were talking about doing something, the sort of, well, square things. Oh. Madden said, as if dimly recalling what they talked about. I guess I did say some stupid things. I'm sorry if... Sorry? You've got nothing to be sorry about. This time it was Madden's turn to pause. Was he reading DeLancey wrong? Was the big cop... Did he approve, deep down, of what Madden had? No. Delancey's next words brought that home. Hell, Joe. Everybody talks like that at one time or another. In your case, you had every reason to sound off. I just wanted to make sure that... That better judgment prevailed. Yeah, something like that. I start work again Monday, Madden said. Good. That's real good. The sooner you get back to doing what you do for a living, the better off you'll feel. Feeling useful can do a lot to heal the wounds, Joe. I can tell you that from personal experience. Something else, too. Your wife's stuff. How's that? Her things. Her clothes and jewelry. That sort of stuff. The sooner you get rid of it. I mean, I know this sounds kind of hard-nosed, Joe, but I know what I'm talking about. The sooner you get rid of her everyday things, the better it will be for you. I don't mean everything. Not pictures of her, not that sort of thing, but her clothes and stuff, you know? Madden looked around the place. Delancey was right. He would never forget Sarah, but she would be the last person in the world to want icons all over the place for him to sorrow over. I'll call her sister. Maybe she... Good idea, Joe. Another short silence, then. Okay, this is a a badly written sentence, and I'm just going to try and sell it. Joe, I'm real glad you're talking this the way you are. (laughs) What? Bang, bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang. Bang. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> bang BJ Santiago. Bang, bang, bang. Joe, I'm real glad you're talking the way you are. That's the way it should be. He's added a this. Yeah, he's that's, added a, that's this. That's how it should be. There's yeah. this, this in there, which makes it, Joe, I'm real glad you're talking this the way you are. <laughs> Madden didn't quite know the right tone to use, but he settled on something between a wryness and a sad sardonic. Okay, I can't wait for you to attempt this. I was about to say, performer's challenge. (laughs) (laughs) You mean not taking to the streets like some kind of Boston Strangler? Scene. And that was the moment
2: Delancey knew he was talking to a murderer. Yeah.
0: You mean (laughs)
2: dry? Okay.
1: Dry and a sad. Oh, oh, good. That's very helpful. right? and a combo sad sardonic. Let's try it. Let's do a little exercise. Let's just choose a blanket sentence like, um, uh, today I went to the grocery store.
2: I went to the grocery store.
1: That was flirty, Farron. That was very flirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went That's to my interpretation of sad.
2: <laughs> you mean not taking to the streets like some Boston stranger? You're such a flirt. <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah. see my face. I
1: bet. You're pursing your lips.
2: I really pursed my lips. And
1: what, what comes before that? Just what did he ask him? Fucking Oh, that uh, uh, his bad grammar. Take, I, I'm glad you're, oh my God. I read the sentence wrong. I read the I read the previous sentence wrong. Oh, you're so handsome. <laughs> At least you got your looks, kid. All right, I'm just going to I'm just reading this and moving forward. A good idea, Joe. Another short silence then. Joe, I'm real glad you're taking this the way you are. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
0: Now you have to keep it all. Now you have to keep it all. Talking this the way
1: you are. I can see why you made that mistake. And I love you for it. <laughs> Madden didn't quite know the right tone to use, but he settled on something between a wryness and a sad sardonic. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try and use Farron's methodology.
2: You mean? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not taking to the streets like some kind of... Boston Strangler?
2: Pitching it up was below (laughs) the belt, but the rest I agree with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I learned my lesson, Leo. Like you said, I was lucky my face slicing stopped where it did. Besides, it's not only knives they've got out there. It's guns, too, right? The sudden turn of his conversation was the result of his realizing that he needed some information, and that the man on the other end of the line was in one of the better positions to get it from. That's true. We have our share of shootings. The thing is, Madden said, I can't figure a... How they get them. A gun? Okay, I can figure that. But guns need bullets. Somehow I just can't picture one of these small bit hoodlums ordering up boxes of shells over the counter at abercrombie and fitch (laughs) delancy laughed at the image oh ho, ho ho madden had hoped he would no joe they get what they get easily "'Money will buy anything you want in this city. "'All you have to do is be in the right dark bar "'or bright-lit pool hall with the right amount of money, "'and the right supplier will be along "'without much of a delay.'" "'Seems to me,' Madden said matter-of-factly. "'You ought to clean out a few dark bars "'and bright-lit pool halls.'" "'Oh, we do our best, Joe. "'There was only one more thing of any essence "'which Delancey brought up. "'Madden's stitches. "'They ought to come out Monday or Tuesday at the latest.'" "'How's the scar looking?' he asked. "'Not bad,' Madden said with a dry voice. Oh, I'll try that again then. "'Not bad,' Madden said with a dry <laughs> voice. "'Looks like one side of my face has aged a little more than the other, that's all.'" When Delancey was off the line, Madden got out Sarah's little white address book. He found her sister's work number without difficulty. Her voice sounded as apologetic and small as ever, but she saw the wisdom of his desire to get rid of Sarah's things. Tomorrow would be fine, Joe, she said. I'll take everything you want to get rid of, and anything that doesn't fit or that I can't use, I'll give to Goodwill or some other charity. No, Jean," His voice was dead cold. You'll take what you want, but what you can't use, don't take. What you don't take goes right down the incinerator. But Joe, that's final. You get what you want. The bastards who killed Sarah, them and their kind get nothing, nothing from Sarah, he amended. Whoa, anyone who's hard on their luck or takes advantage of a charity system are the enemy and are the people who killed Sarah. So it's full-on, now, class war.
2: It's a classist thing.
1: Yeah. He lunched downtown at the bottom of the Sixes, treating himself to two martinis before deciding to order his club sandwich. They tasted good. Well, they should, he thought to himself. It was, in a way, a celebration, although maybe just a little premature. He'd managed to throw Delancey off the scent, if the cop had been on the right one at all, and he'd gained an important piece of information from the man. Another piece of information was in the book he now opened flat on the table. He'd bought it at Brentano's Gun Digest, containing pictures and the relevant statistics of the offerings of the major gun manufacturers of America and abroad. Under the Smith and Wesson collection he found it. Smith and Wesson thirty eight Chiefs special and air weight caliber thirty eight special five shot. Barrel two inches three inches. Length six and a half inches. Weight nineteen ounces. Stocks, checkered walnut, magna, round or square butt. Sights fixed one tenth. Serrated ramp front squatch notch rear. Square notch rear. I said that wrong, but your new nickname is Squatch Notch. (laughs) Wait, wait, who? (laughs) Mm, You pick. (laughs) Drew, you already (laughs) have so many nicknames. Yeah. I I can be Squatch Notch just if I'm not bro anymore. (laughs) The picture above the description was exactly the same as the revolver now resting comfortably under his mattress. A round butt, a two inch barrel, describes Joe Madden. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I loved how hard
2: you had to hold back your own laughter to wait for one of us to laugh.
0: It's interesting, The well, that's another conversation, is the uh, masculine masculinity and
1: cock size.
2: For the record, mine's enormous, so we don't need to talk about this.
1: Round butt, a two-inch barrel. Whether his weapon was the 19- or 14-ounce model was unknown and unimportant. After lunch, he walked down Fifth Avenue to Corvette's, There he went straight to the housewares department where he bought a pair of plastic gloves. They were the see-through kind, skin-tight. No impediment to finger movement, but a real protection against fingerprints, in the event that Chief's special some night didn't make it back under that mattress safely. End of chapter. (coughs)
0: I love that wide butt and two-inch barrel. Round, round butt,
1: two-inch barrel.
0: Round butt.
1: That's that's a good.
0: I don't know. That's that's a good uh, insult. I'm not sure. There's something great
1: there, and I refuse to say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, if there's one thing that I do want to learn from Joe Madden and incorporate into my life, is to one day have the. Just relentless confidence to strip nude in my own home, stand in front of a full-length mirror, and just toast myself and enjoy the yeah. view. <laughs> I feel like that's only a thing a lunatic does, But though. that's the kind of lunacy I want in my life.
2: Couldn't we do that on this podcast quite safely? No, 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 I Baron. think we could. I am not gonna I think make we could it do with it.
1: you over a podcast.
2: <laughs> you would.
0: You just have to say it. And then silently toasting myself while you guys also Clink. do the same
1: sort of breathing. <sighs> Drew, Drew made this perfect. Um, are you? Are you actually? Are you, okay? Can I? This is. Interesting. I'm actually are, suggesting. Are that. you suggesting and putting forward that the three of us in our three separate cities get naked
2: for the finale <laughs> and raise a glass? I'm actually suggesting it, not for the entire length of our recording session, but as a sort of like we're done. here's to you, listeners. It's either that or go on a killing spree. I don't know any other thematic way to celebrate the end of this book.
1: man, you need to expand your imagination because yeah. that is a very limited outlook um <laughs> i'll'll tell i'll I'll leave it at this drew i don't I know that your heavy breathing's ready to go. I will consider a nude toast. <laughs> From our separate places, uh, to to cheers <laughs> off the end of this book with you, um, and as as and and as an as an effort to bolster my bad body image issues, mm-hmm. I will consider this idea that you've put forward.
2: Uh, this is my way of trying to let everybody know that I've been nude since episode one, and I should have told you.
1: Okay, um, you you sexy beasts you. You hunks of New England. Good night. <laughs>
0: Dolly out. Oh, I forgot what my Squatch new name Notch. is. Squatch
1: Notch. <laughs> Squatch. All right. Squatch Notch, Dolly. This is uh, Fonz uh, checking out for the night. Thank you so much for joining us on the Vigilante Hunk Club. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs> bang, 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 bang.
0: Well, that's it for another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. We are a ragtag group of fellas trying to get our silly fun out in the world, so it would mean the world to us if you would share our show with one friend and one enemy. And when they get to this episode, they'll wonder which one they are. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Club Vigilante or email us at VigilanteBookClub at gmail.com. See you next week!